All right, everyone. We are here with Bryce from Alaska Flower Company, and he's going to be telling us about his company, which does something really interesting in Alaska. But I will let him go ahead and explain it to you. Uh, thank you, Mitch. Um, so, yeah, I'm, my name is Bryce Wrigley from Alaska Flower Company. We have lived up here since 1985, been farming in Delta. And uh, in 2011, we were, had been thinking for several years about uh, food security in Alaska. And, and my family decided to start a flour mill. And so we started a flour mill. We, we mill barley that we raise on our farm into flour, um, which we then make into pancake mixes, cookie mixes, brownie mixes. Uh, and we also make uh, cereal and couscous. And our whole purpose in doing that really was to kind of start out with, um, well, to uh, address the food security issues. As we got ready to start that company, then we felt like it was important that we identified our, our goals. You know, anytime you start a new company, it's, it's going to be a challenge. There's going to be uh, high points and low points, and, and you've got to be able to work through the low points. Uh, when, when money isn't coming in, uh, what is it that carries your dream forward? And so we, we felt like it was important that we had goals that were um, core to our, um, our interests. And so those goals really included uh, addressing food insecurity in Alaska. And um, we wanted to position our family farm in such a way that it would be around for future generations. Um, and so now we are, uh, we actually have had four generations working on our farm. My dad is, is now moved back to Idaho. So uh, we have three generations that, uh, that participate in some way or another on our farm and in the flour mill. Uh, so those are some of the important things that I guess we decided that uh, would carry us through the, the hard times. And now uh, you, you said you, you grow barley. Now, what's kind of the big difference between barley and wheat, as most people know, wheat flour compared to barley flour? Yeah, so the difference between wheat flour and barley flour is that wheat is a high glycemic index food. Barley is a low glycemic index food. It has two and a half times the fiber of wheat. Um, the reason we focused on barley instead of wheat is because wheat requires a longer growing season than what we rely, reliably get up here. Um, barley is a, is a short season crop, um, does well in, uh, in this latitude. And so it's a much more reliable crop. And again, since we were looking at food security, it doesn't make any sense to build a flour mill around wheat if you're going to have to ship wheat in to run the flour mill. So uh, we built it around barley, knowing that, that we would have high reliability in getting a crop. And how, how long does it take to, to grow? Because I know uh, Delta Junction, you're kind of further up there in altitude even than we are here and it seems like our summers and stuff are pretty short here so I imagine it has to be real short for you guys so how long does a crop take well we plant we, we typically plant around the middle of May and we always try and start harvest by the first of September that moves one way or another uh, by a few days uh, depending on the year last year we actually started planting a week earlier it was a easy breakup not a lot of snow it's fairly warm winter if you'll recall 
Uh, this year we're getting a lot of snow, so I suspect breakup will take a little bit longer. And so we'll probably be looking at around the middle of May for planting. And again, uh, the first of September is kind of our, our target date for starting harvest. Uh, last year we started earlier. We were actually done harvesting by about the third of September. So that was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, look forward to that every year, but doesn't happen much. <laughs> <laughs> and now, um, I know obviously weather, like you were talking about breakup and for people that aren't from Alaska listening, breakup is when our snow and ice start melting and it just, everything turns into a muddy mess. But, uh, obviously besides that, what other challenges do you have being up here in Alaska compared to, uh, any other barley farmer that's in the lower 48s? Well, most uh, most people who raise barley in America and, and any crops in America have a, um, a a support system in place. You have a, an elevator that you can take your grain to, and you can sell it. They'll they'll hold it for you until you want to sell it. You can choose. You can kind of play the market as the price comes up. You can choose to sell some or all, or or if it's not very high, you can keep it. But we don't have that here. And so once it's sold, then it's really out of your hands. A farmer raises his crop he takes it to the market and then once he's once he sells it to the elevator then it's pretty well done or or they feed it um so the feed barley is a covered barley uh, the barley we raise for human consumption is a hollis barley uh the the couscous that we make out of the barley is actually um very high quality couscous it's it's what couscous originally was made out of uh in morocco in the middle east um, it, normally the couscous that, that we buy in a store is actually a, a pasta made from red durum wheat. And so, um, it's not that barley is, is a strange product, uh, to eat. It's just that it's not as common in America as what wheat is. Wheat is king in America for, in terms of bread and, and, uh, pastries and things like that. But barley performs in a lot of cases, as well as wheat, um, it doesn't have as much gluten. And so you have to limit it if you're going to make all raised bread or rolls or something like that that uses yeast. But in quick breads, it, it does absolutely fantastic. Um, and, uh, and so, and, and then like I mentioned in the very beginning, uh, there are some health benefits to barley that, that are really significant uh, over the wheat. And uh, what, what are some of those health benefits, if you don't mind sharing? So I mentioned earlier that barley has two and a half times the fiber of wheat. Um, that's really good. It helps people stay regular, um, helps keep uh, things moving through their system. And, um, and so that's important. But there's also, so barley is high in, in uh, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber. Uh, one of those types of fibers is, is beta-glucan. Uh, beta-glucan is really good for helping the body regulate how, how quickly it converts starch to sugar. And so for people with diabetes or prediabetes, uh, beta-glucans can make all the difference in whether you, uh, how, how, how your diabetes reacts. Um, we just got back from uh, Texas, uh, meeting with a doctor down there who recommends barley to his patients and uh, have been, has helped us work at setting up some um, stores down in Texas to uh, carry our products for his patients. And now a lot of the doctors that work in that field uh, around him are also uh, prescribing 
uh, barley products to their patients and, and the patients are doing really well. We actually did a, a, um, an interview with, with a couple of the patients that the doctors um, have been working with and, and uh, some, of the, some of the results that they have claimed are, are just amazing. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. I know uh, being a chef for the last 10 years, there's been a, been a big movement away from the wheat. So it's nice to see even up here in Alaska, somebody taking the forefront and helping with that move. Now, you were talking uh, earlier about food insecurity and starting your company to help with the food security. Uh, what is, do you see that getting better in the next five, 10 years? as more people are becoming aware or do you still see it being kind of a struggle? That's a good question. And, and um, the thing about being able to respond to a food emergency, uh, an earthquake, uh, a disruption in, in the transportation system, whatever the nature of that disruption is, um, the fact remains based on studies if calculated that somewhere less than, or over 90% of our products that we, that we consume in Alaska are shipped in. And so um, with that kind of, with those kind of numbers, whenever there's a disruption of any kind of the transportation system that affects food, we see it within just a couple of days on the store shelves. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's kind of what, that's really what prompted us to start looking at the food security um, issue was I was watching the news in I think it was 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit down in um, in New Orleans and I remember footage from the camera uh, they were in helicopter cameras was on there and and these guys were on the roof to get out of the water and and, uh, and the, the guy the commentator said something like uh, that some somebody had killed his neighbor for food. And I, I don't know why, but I was watching the news sitting in my comfortable home. And that just really struck me. Um, and, and I thought about that for a long time, that that things could be so bad. And, and so here's, here's New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina. And, you know, the, there is so much commerce that goes through that area normally that it was just remarkable to me that they couldn't get food into there for two weeks. And I thought, what would happen if we had an earthquake or something like that up here? And, and the transportation was disrupted for two weeks when, when we are relying on 95% of it to come in. And so um, that was, that was really a motivating thing for us to try and address that food security issue. Yeah, I never, I mean, when I first moved up here to Alaska, I moved to Sitka, Alaska, and I never really thought about it much, you know, I mean, you go to the store, you buy what you need, and then we had uh, bad weather set in, and we went, because of the ferries being delayed and the barges, we went almost two weeks on the island with no dairy products, Mm -hmm. and it was kind of a, kind of an eye-opener to see, even in this day and age, that you can't always guarantee you're going to have the comfort of the modern superstore right there. Yeah. Well, years ago it used to be, if you didn't see something on the shelf in the super, in the supermarket, then you went and asked them if they had anything in the back, but you know, they don't have anything in the back anymore. They've expanded the shopping area and, <clears throat> and moved the, the, um, the back um, 
space that they used to store extra to just a receiving department. So we rely on just-in-time delivery now. Uh, trucks are, are scheduled to come in and deliver things as the store runs out of them. And so there's, there's not that, um, that buffer. Yeah. And, uh, what we're trying to do is provide, provide that buffer. So you ask, do we hope to, that things will get better? I think that they will. Um, our markets are growing and interest in our products as, as that awareness increases, then, um, more and more people try and we, we get, a, a huge, huge preponderance of people responding say they love it and it's great and and uh, and they support us. But you know, Alaska is kind of a small market. Um, not a lot of people. Say seven hundred thousand. There's a little more seven hundred thousand people, but uh, a bunch of those, uh, probably half of them or so, maybe are on the on the road system. Um, and and so I, um, if, if you're going to if you're going to try and, and make a dent an emergency in lack of food during an emergency, you've got to have capacity. And so how do you build that capacity? Well, you have to have enough market going out. You have to develop enough of a market that there's enough capacity that you're milling all the time that, that in an emergency you can just shift uh, immediately and, and direct that, that capacity at filling that need. And so with a small market like Alaska, and only a small portion of those people who know about Alaska Flower Company, who have tried our products or are familiar with them, um, then we had to actually start looking outside at outside markets to, to grow that capacity. Um, of course, the idea is that, that in an emergency, not only will we not be able to get food in, we won't be able to get shipments out, but once that capacity is there, that doesn't matter. Once that capacity is there, we can direct that capacity to fill a need. As an example, and, and it's not a good example, but it's it's one that for me was quite significant. Earlier last year, they had that earthquake down in Anchorage, you remember? Yep. And um, the day they had that earthquake, we didn't even know what kind of damage had, had really been done. Yet, but the day they had that earthquake, we shipped four pallets of product out of here down to Anchorage. Uh, it was It was scheduled. But I thought, you know, that's that's pretty remarkable that we even could do that because a few years ago we couldn't even do that. Uh, and so, for me, that was really um, that was the that was kind of the the proof that this concept really could make a difference. Now, and, and I'm the first to admit, four pallets going down to Anchorage is not going to solve <laughs> solve a widespread problem. But but that's what I'm talking about. You know, 400 pallets would. And uh, and if the if the capacity is there, then 400 pallets could go. So that that's that's what we're building toward. And so yeah, do I think that things will that we'll get to that point where we can make a difference in the future? Absolutely, I do. Uh, that's why we're doing that. <laughs> and how big is your farm? We have 1,700 acres. Okay. Oh, wow. That's, that's, yeah, we have 1,700 acres. And then, uh, so our, our goal is one of our goals is to, um, we want to build the market to the point where, where we can contract with other farmers to, to grow part of our product. We'll always grow some, but we want to, we want to extend that opportunity to other farmers, um, because it, it reduces our risk. It helps build markets for other farmers. And, and I think that a, 
that society is better when we when we work together on things. And um, so that's always been one of our key goals in our company was to build a market that that we could have other farmers uh, participate in. And now, uh, I know, uh, speaking of markets, I know I've seen your stuff down here in uh, the Wasilla Anchorage area, but uh, where, where, where else in Alaska can uh, people find your products? Well, they should be available with virtually all of the Safeway stores, Cars Safeway. Um, then also there's a, a number of restaurants that are using our products. Uh, uh, the couscous or the cereal are the most popular ones. Uh, the railroad has used the uh, cereal and the couscous and also our brownie mixes. Um, some of the school districts have used it. Um, we also have some stores, Natural Pantry in Anchorage. Uh, three Bears, most of the Three Bears chain uh, carries our products. IGA and Delta. So we're, when, we, when we got into Safeway, it really gave us statewide access. Uh, there's an, several other stores in Juneau that uh, are carrying our products. There's uh, in uh, Sitka. Um, there are a couple of stores there also carrying our products. So uh, we're really trying to, even in some of the villages, uh, through the cars distribution network, uh, we're getting into a lot of the villages now. So um, they're, they're becoming more and more widely available. And are you, uh, are you outside of Alaska at this time, or is that just something you're still working on? We have been working on it for a while. We've, <clears throat> we sell in, um, uh, in a mail order uh, company out of Oregon. And then we sell at several health food stores and pharmacies in Texas. Um, we sell online. A lot of people order online. And then, um, <clears throat> then we also have opened a market in Canada, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. And so we're, we're building that market at this time, too. And where can people find you online? Because I assume that's probably for our listeners, that's going to be the easiest way for them to... Uh to look you guys up and check out your products. Yeah. Alaskaflowercompany.com is our website and that's also our Facebook handle. And uh, so people can order uh, from us. Um, but for the most part, if you know, if they're around uh, one of the retailers, they're going to get a better price because, because we have to add shipping on, onto the, the, orders that come in online. So the famous um, well, Alaska shipping. To, to look at that, but, um, but we can do that. And then there's a lot of people do still order online, even though they live in Alaska. Yes. That, uh, the famous Alaska shipping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only way we really can ship is, is through the post office. And so we generally use those, uh, uh, flat rate boxes and, you know, the price just went up on them again, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it is a good product. You know, the doctor we were talking to down in Texas a couple of weeks ago, um, he made the comment that I thought was interesting. He said, you know, people are going to pay for their health one way or another. Either they're going to they're buy healthy food for it or you're going to pay uh, for medicine to take care of things that you didn't, uh, the problems that develop because you didn't feed your body right. And, um, and so I thought that was an interesting observation that uh, um, even, if, even if the only way you can get it is by um, ordering it online and paying shipping is still cheaper than any medicine I know of. 
Yeah, that's that's no lie. Now, um, before we wrap up here, is there just anything else you want to let our listeners know about you, your company, or uh, kind of anything else you, you want them to know? Um, yeah, there's probably uh, one or two things. Our, our company is a family-run business. Um, my son and I work there. Our wives work there. And, um, and our, um, and, and a lot of our customers are very interested in our social responsibility. So we, in our farm, we no-till, uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a, it's a method of, of planting your crops without tilling first. When, when you till the ground, you, ex, you aerate the soil you lose carbon, which is what feeds the microbes to make healthy soil. Um, by not tilling, then we preserve that carbon source in the soil that feeds the microbes. They, they develop symbiotic relationship with the plant roots and allow the plant roots to, uh, to find the nutrients better. So we no-till. We also, uh, the other thing that no-till does is it, it preserves the moisture. So uh, since we started no-tilling, don't even worry about if, it's, if the rains are late or anything like that because the, the moisture is just always been there in the ground as long as we haven't tilled. And then a couple of years ago, we started planting cover crops. Cover crops are crops that we plant them on our fallow years. So we, we plant and then we fallow, rotate fallow ground every year. And so on the fallow years, we plant cover crops, which build the soil, provide nutrients to the soil, and, uh, and provide a, a um, source of food for pollinators. Um, and it's, it's amazing. I, I love seeing that. Uh, I walk out in the field and the, and the cover crops and, the, and the, it's just full of noise. The bees are buzzing, the flies are flying and, and buzzing. I mean, just, it's just, um, it's just super, super cool. And, uh, and so we are trying to do those things that are, are good for the soil, good for the, the land. Um, I see myself as a steward and, and I want to leave it better than what I got it. Uh, for my family. And so it's really important to us that we practice those agricultural practices that um, are responsible, that are going to build the soil, make it healthier. And uh, I'll tell you, we've got some of the best soil in Alaska in anywhere in America. It's just um, the, the, uh, you know, we are able to take advantage of new scientific systems and, and, and data that nobody else, that, that, that they made mistakes on in America for, for years and years and years, for hundreds of years. Uh, we're able to take advantage of that because this stuff has developed before Alaska soils were, were started to be farmed. And so we, can, we have the opportunity to, to keep that soil healthy and, and productive. So I guess that's probably one of the things that's, that I think is important. Yeah, it's kind of amazing because... I mean, I, I guarantee the average person, you, you talk to them about farming in Alaska, and they probably laugh at you or look at you like you're crazy just because it's it's not a well-known thing up here. And everybody thinks it's just tundra. So it, it's so amazing to be able to hear uh, what you guys can do up here against all the odds and all the take advantage of the modern techniques that other people didn't necessarily have the advantage of having, as you said. Yeah. And we get that a lot. We've, uh, we've hosted tours for, um, gosh, people from 
oh, down in mid mid America, uh, we've had people from uh, Australia and New Zealand come by, farmers, and uh, and that's the thing that everybody comments on. I said I had no idea they could farm in Alaska. Well, their idea of Alaska is is igloos and snow banks and that's (laughs) and they're just shocked when they never even considered that farming would be a part of it and so it's quite um enjoyable to visit with those people and we do tours uh, in the summertime we do tours if people will contact us uh and that may be something that you might be interested in too sometime as uh uh, just let us know in summertime if you're going to be in the area and we'll we'll show you the farm and show you the flour mill and show you how things happen most definitely. I was just getting ready to say that. Uh, I know this summer we plan on uh, taking some trips up that way. And uh, if you guys do tours, we would be more than happy to come up and get a firsthand look at this because my pure curiosity is peaked. Just for the fact I did live in Texas for 10 years, uh, seeing cotton farms, corn farms, everything else. And when I moved up here to Alaska, I knew, I knew Palmer did some farming like they're, they're big vegetables and stuff, but I, I had no idea we had anyone that did any uh, barley or any type of flower farming up here. So, I mean, it was pure curiosity on my part too. Yeah. Well, you're welcome to come by. Just uh, let us know if you're going to be in the area. We will. Well, thank you so much, Bryce, for uh, talking with us. We will make sure we get that website and all your social media links up. And thank you for uh, giving us some of your time and letting us know about Alaska Flower Company. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. It's been a great honor to visit with you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 